You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello and welcome to the Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Roger coming to you on the 18th of February. And with me, of course, we've got Vince. As it is the 160th episode, I am actually the one in charge. I get to decide what we read. And what's funny is that over the past, you know, 160 episodes of the few that I've hosted, I've always tried to do something that is a series that I like or a comic that I like or something that is supposed to be good or in some cases memories going back to something from when I was reading when I was a teen that I either enjoyed at the time or that was important. I've I've never specifically set out, unlike you, to make you read something that just isn't good. I've gone out of my way to do good episodes. Yeah, that's fun, isn't it? Well, you know what? It's And I understand that with you, it's just that you you host so many more episodes. So that's why it's a lot easier just to toss that in every once in a while to, you know, I'm just going to make him read something terrible. I try to, you know, I only have so few episodes that I want to really shine. In my defense. There's no defense. Very rarely do I set out just for the specific purpose of reading something terrible. You can tell them Usually if we're reading something terrible, it's because it's important. It's something, you know, major that's going on at the time. Lies. Very rarely is it just, I want to make Roger suffer. Lies. I do and not like one, <laughs> one of the few times I specifically set out for, oh, this is going to be awful. Let's make fun of something for a half hour. We ended up reading Injustice. <laughs> okay. I set out to make you read bad things. Fair is fair. I've Could've had to worse. read crap. Yes and no. You point blank haven't read all of this. Leafing through bad comics does not constitute <laughs> reading them. Okay, so don't give me none of that crap. (laughs) Of course, when I personally think bad comics, often when I think about our Punisher comics, and often when I think about our Punisher crossover comics, because they are terrible. You're not wrong. (laughs) The thing with Punisher crossovers is that, like, we've said it over and over again, Punisher comics can be good, when put in a good writer's hands, or they can be utter contrived trite. And what happens with the crossovers is that it's almost as if someone approaches the editor, tells them, listen, I've got a great idea for a a crossover. And then the editor hands them a manuscript template and says, make sure that it follows this to the letter. And what this is, is that you have a scene with the Punisher chasing after a criminal you have a scene with the crossover hero chasing after either the same villain or someone related somehow to that villain punisher and superhero cross path the superhero wants to take him in but cannot for any number of reasons the punisher either gets away or they decide to work together to further the their ends respectively each other ends to capture or defeat whichever if it's the same villain or they're both connected and then get the villain fight together one of them 
undoubtedly saves the other one. There tends to be a fight beforehand where someone nearly bests the other one, but it's never a full-out fight where one is definitely the clear winner because then either of the IPs would suffer because of that. And then at the end, basically, the Punisher either gets away or the superhero says, well, I'll let you get away this time just because you helped me. And that's basically it. And then insert any number of the cheesiest, corniest lines that you can possibly come up with. And that's basically damn near every single Punisher crossover that I've read over the years. All right. So for what we're reading this week. (laughs) So let's go over a few of them. I got you to read. No, let me rephrase that. I asked you to read a number of them and uh, because some of them are just so out there as well that it's one of those, well, I have to read this. I know it's going to be terrible, but I have to read this because (laughs) go ahead. If you had set out and went, there's a comic starring Ghost Rider, Wolverine and the Punisher. Would you want to read that? The first thing I'd say would be yes. It's and then you read it. <laughs> uh, although that being said, it was there, one of the better ones. The, there's two of them. There's one of them in '91 and one in '93, and basically they're not the exact same storyline, but they feature some of the same characters, which takes them to back to a town, and basically Mephisto's son is trying to recruit them. Which again, the flimsiest base concepts you can come up with here, folks. It's in the template. Okay, <laughs> you have to trust me. And so Mephisto's son wants to take him down, wants to recruit those three. Why? Why not? And from there, you wind up having them turning him down because, you know, of course they would. And working with this woman and her daughter. So they develop this relationship with her over, you know, these few episodes. I'm sorry, it was actually 91 and 94. So there's um, a relationship. So in the, the latter one, you already know the kid and. Well, she's not so much a kid anymore, so the characters, even though they only met her once, care about her a great deal and want to make sure nothing happens to her. Um, those were actually, yeah, <laughs> of all of these, I, I'm not going to say they were good, but because of the fact that you already know the setting and you know the characters a little bit, it was a little bit better. Yeah, I... I Especially liked the uh, the first one. Not not to say it was good, but one of the aspects I liked about it was it actually had kind of an interesting point to make, at least to me, because it came out in '91, which was right before quote the '90s started in comics, and it was that weird era where you know the Frank Miller comics, you know Dark Knight Returns, his Daredevil stuff, all that was super popular, and everybody was trying to you know replicate that style. That's when comics became all you know grim and gritty, and that's when you had these characters like Wolverine, Punisher, Ghost Rider being super popular because they were the more violent comics. So when the whole premise of this is that of the superhero community, you know they're the ones closest to the edge. And that's why Blackheart wanted to recruit them. Like at, for the time it was published, I find that to be a pretty interesting premise. Yeah. The other thing that they like to do with these as well is to actually do um, crossovers into DC and other, you know, um, comic publishers and use some of their characters. So there's actually a couple of Punisher and Batman 
comics, which are both equally bad. <laughs> Although the one that has not Bruce Wayne, the one with Azrael, Azrael. is like the most disappointing comic in history. <laughs> yeah, I. You know, it's funny because if you go back through the archives, or if folks have been listening to the Com Book Informed podcast for some time, I remember talking about this in what we've been what we're reading. I mean, towards the start, because I had seen this and thought, hey, I'll pick this up and was completely lost <laughs> and completely <laughs> like, what the hell is going on here? And, and it's terrible. Absolutely terrible. I, I actually read both of these when they came out. Right. Well, of course you would. It's Batman and Puppet yeah, and, and like Punisher. I, when they did that, when Marvel and DC were both, you know, not doing too great and wanted to do that... Uh, a crossover to increase sales across the board, and you had the JLA Avengers, and all. I read all of those crossovers. Well, the thing is, is that you read them because you were hoping that they would be good, and inevitably you were dis- disappointed, or at least settle the schoolyard argument of who would win in a fight. But they can't do that. It's no. like there's again, it's in the template, <laughs> well, and it's in let's the be agreement. Honest, Batman does kind of school Punisher, at least Bruce does. Yeah, he does a few times. Yeah, the um. The the villains in those are Jigsaw and uh, and and Joker. The and of course it's the same old thing too. Where in Batman would never kill Joker, but Punisher would. But they have to drag it out. And it, once again, the Incredibles. He's monologuing again, and so <laughs> he doesn't actually get to take out the Joker. And it's again, there's only so much they can do canon wise because they can't just you know kill off one of their favorite villains that they have. So it's um, the, the Batman one with Bruce is the least objectionable of the two. And I'm not going to say it's good, but it was not nearly as bad as the other one. It's, it's still really disappointing though, because there's such a great character dynamic that could happen between Bruce and Frank, because you know, Bruce's feelings about firearms specifically and just Punisher being the Punisher. Well, and you also look at it and then you're like, since this obviously isn't canon, why couldn't they have Frank exactly. kill Joker? Like, you know, page one, just him walking into the room, bullet to the head, boom, done. <laughs> See, that's the thing too is that if they were to look at these specifically as outside of the realm, of their respective canons, then put a writer in who's not afraid of taking chances to really go out and like you just said, because Frank wouldn't be monologuing. There'd be a bullet in his brain pan and that would be the end of that. And then move forward from there. And I think you could wind up having something that's, that is actually very good because regardless of what, you know, the, the pedestal that Bruce stands upon, he still is a violent, you know, sociopath is what he is <laughs> dressed up as a hero. So to pit him against the Punisher in a realistic, I mean, and I'm using air quotes heavily here, fashion, you could, I mean, again, in the hands of a good writer, I, I would love to see Mayberry, Jonathan Mayberry tackle this in, say, a six issue miniseries, but do it justice, man. It would be freaking hilarious. It would be a blast to read. 
Mm-hmm. So, like, like I can understand them not wanting to put one hero above the other for marketing reasons, but villains are fair game. <laughs> and even then, if it is something where it is looked at as outside of the canon, and it's an agreement between, in this case, let's say Marvel and DC, and it's one of those, okay, this time... Punisher's going to take a beating, but in the next one that we do with Superman and Wolverine, Wolverine's going to be the one to take a beating. You know, take your your lumps in, but you're still going to create something that's fun to read and more believable. And again, put a freaking writer in that can do the job adequately, because that's the biggest hurdle here. Even though in some of these, I mean, Jesus, you got Frank Miller working on some of these, and it still turned out to be crap. (laughs) So... (laughs) Man, find somebody who can work with this concept better. Yeah. And then you have the Painkiller Jane, which um, you didn't actually read that one. Uh-huh. And it's, it, you really did not miss anything. This is, she is head over heels in love with him and is stalking him. It was kind of cute. At points, just because she is crazier than he is, she's just bad shit crazy. And so when you're seeing him get home into his apartment and she's got his Punisher t-shirt on and nothing else on, <laughs> and she's that creepy stalker girl, that was actually funny. I will say that. So that one was, it was terrible, but it was actually cute in some ways just because she's nuts. Um, the craziest crossover though is the Punisher meets Archie yes Archie Andrews (laughs) that Archie there is a crossover where the Punisher is after a villain who looks very much like Archie Andrews of course the villain heads over to Rivendale and hangs out there is going out with Veronica to the prom the the, the whole everything about this makes you like (laughs) Your your palm your face your your palm never leaves your face. <laughs> the entire thing it's like, what were they thinking here? And the foreword is talking about how unbelievably hilarious this was and how well done it was. No, no, folks, it's not. It did really, really is not. It seriously could have been one of the greatest comics ever published. <laughs> <laughs> really, now, <laughs> just on concept alone, I come on. No, it could not. <laughs> um, if the execution had been better, come on, Punisher murdering his way through Riverdale High, I would have been all for that. Actually, it had it been him and Jughead, not Archie. <laughs> there you go. That would have been better. The like Reggie uh, joining on as a sidekick. Yeah, really. Yes. <laughs> Did you read the Daredevil one? And by read, I mean actually read a few of the words, panels, not just flip through. Several of the words, yes. You did. Okay. What did you think of that one? Because yeah, these thing. were, you know, older collections of, of stuff. And it's just one of those things where, man, some of that old school stuff really doesn't hold up. Not at all. Not at all. And I can't stress enough how, I don't know if, you know, the writers think, oh, this this line here People are going to think this is cool when they read this. And it's just the cheesiest possible line that has no redeeming value whatsoever. And you're like, again, I don't, <laughs> it, it makes me wonder. And some of them, it's not even just the Punisher who's saying them. Sometimes it's like, you know, the, the, the captions too, that are 
oh, so dramatic. And you, it's just... Except Marvel loved their captions back in the 80s. You know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's... I'm looking at some of them now, too. And... Yeah. I, I love the characters of the villains. <laughs> How, like, mustache-twirling evil some yeah, really? of them are. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, that one there was, yeah. And then there's the Spider-Man versus the Punisher as well, which, uh, I mean, we've seen a number of those before Punisher having been in Spider-Man. So this was nothing new here either, where Peter is reliving Gwen's death and Punisher is after him because he's been brainwashed into thinking that he's evil and he's trying to kill him. And, Yeah. And Punisher, they, like, I know he works out and all that, but there's a punch that's, that Spider-Man gives him that sends him up at least 12 stories. <laughs> Bastard survives this. <laughs> Man. And, you know, especially looking, comparing it to the modern stuff where we've seen some pretty good team-ups with Punisher and Daredevil and Spider-Man, either the three of them or, you know, any pairing of the two. And it works so much better in the hands of, you know, a skilled writer. <laughs> Whereas a lot of these are just like, man. But, but you can see where those character combinations can work. They just frequently don't. don't. Yeah. I'm sorry, but this here, all of these, I place the blame squarely on the writers. And yes, there'd be some blame to put with the editors because I'm sure they're nudging and pushing how they want things to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... This is the writer's fault. And I know that we've read a lot of stuff again back from the 80s and 90s, and some of it really doesn't hold up. But none of this holds up. There's none of it that is redeeming. That's going to tell you something. And again, it's like we said, too. Like the, It's not for lack of potential because some of these pair-ups, when you look at it, you... As somebody who writes myself, and uh, you too got wild imaginations, we can think, man, I could come up with concepts that would be fun, that would be, you know, something that is edge-of-your-seat kind of thrilling that doesn't pander down and speak down to the readers. Yeah, it's, it was just that mindset, and this is what destroyed the comic industry almost, the mindset of just put the most popular characters on the cover and people will buy it. It doesn't have to be good to sell 200,000 copies. And again, that, that thought process is what led the comic industry into some pretty dark times that it's just now starting to pull out of through quality, not character recognition, not you know superstar writers, but through actual quality is bringing people back finally. Yeah. All right. That's it. <laughs> we're only going to talk about The Punisher a little bit more, and that's in what we're reading. Did you read The Punisher number one? I actually haven't read it yet. In all honesty, feel free to skip it. Say, Nothing new. Pu Punisher rarely works as a solo character for me. Like the the some of the old Ennis stuff in like the 2002 or so, and then the Rooka run from last year or so. I liked those, but Punisher almost never works solo for me. Yeah. Did you read uh, Wolvie and His Peeps, 41? Mm-hmm. I am... The, they didn't deal as much with the like the kids in this one here, but 
and again, it's one of those, we're talking about good writers here. Had someone said, listen, we're going to spend the majority of this issue on Toad, I would have said, okay, well, I guess I'm not picking up that issue. But he makes it work. And mm-hmm. it winds up being this phenomenal freaking issue with mainly Toad. And and to the point where Aaron's got me curious now, what's going to happen next? Because he's working with the Hellfire kids. And, you know, how is that going to work out? And what is he kind of hiding there? Because you almost still believe that there's good in him. So it's like, I'm... What's going on? And and it's freaking Toad. <laughs> when Krakoa was sad to see him oh, go, dude. Like, I was like, oh, why am I sad at, at this scene? <laughs> it's when he's telling him what not to feed Krakoa and stuff. And you're going like, oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was fantastic stuff. Um, Superior Spider-Man 21. Oh, or, sorry, God. 27. Oh, my goodness. Um, This is... See, we were just talking before we started <laughs> about what's happening or going to be happening. Roger got some bad news. I I don't hide the fact that I rarely read um, comic book news sites. Not because I have anything against them. I respect what they do. It's just, you know, time and, and interest. And for me, I, I kind of like hearing about stuff during the podcast. It's become our thing where you'll surprise me with something and it's like, we get it on air and I'm either excited or terribly disappointed. And, uh, and so I just, I don't tend to read that. I just read the comics. And so I saw an advertisement today about Peter Parker coming back in April and I was disgusted. And then I brought it up to you and you said you'd known for freaking months and not told me, which I think I'll never forgive you for that either. But anyways, so this here, it's again, you're seeing, it's like telling a kid Santa Claus isn't real. I couldn't do that to you. You should have told me. <laughs> I need time to prepare. <laughs> Two months is not enough. <laughs> I was just waiting for the moment at the in the last issue of Superior, and you're like, when you lose your mind. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> so this was good. It wasn't my favorite. The last couple have not been nearly as good but then i mean that bar is set pretty high right now for and, us you, but you just know what it's building up to yeah exactly and the scene with goblin and spidey sitting down at the table together that was pre- that made that made the comic in my opinion yeah yeah the, the rest could have sucked it could have been freaking dance lots grocery list for <laughs> 20 pages <laughs> that there saved it uh that was phenomenal um what else x-force number one did you read it? I did read it. Okay. I'm happy the Fandom X is back. I'm happy that... Why is he super French all of a sudden? Yeah, I noticed that too. Like, way too French even. And, and consider the source here. I love that Psylocke is all snippy with him. <laughs> so I don't know how long that's going to last, but I'm digging it while it lasts. Because again, you know, Cable, I really don't care all that much. So the stuff between the other two is fun. And that freaking... What's her name? Marrow. She is freaking fantastic. They have to keep her around. I love her already. One issue, and I'm hooked on her. And, and Rocky Kim on the art. Whoa. Very, I don't want to call it bizarre, but obviously non-traditional style, but it works. It is fantastic. What was this Marrow chick in before this? Oh, 90s stuff. Okay. All right. That's why. 
<laughs> don't look any farther than that. Yeah. So uh, this is uh, Spurrier, which is, again, mm-hmm. another reason why we like it. And uh, and I'm very curious where he's going to be going with this. I already love the team, even though, you know, Cable is not my favorite. I'm digging everything else that he's doing. And we've got um, doctors in here as well. So uh, I, yeah, I, love, I, I wasn't I was I wasn't sure if they were keeping him around. I, I love the stuff with him and Meryl. <laughs> so this is going to be or did, was that in there? I'm trying to think who was he? Yeah. When he's ex- trying to explain to her how the thing works. Yeah. She yeah, yeah, care. yeah. So I yeah, this is going to be great. And then speaking of Spurrier, you, of course, read the last oh, X-Men. Absolutely. Legacy. So, you know what, Spurrier? Congrats on putting together an absolutely phenomenal run because it's beginning, middle, and ending. Their story throughout. The writing is by far some of the best we've seen. And not just in terms of the putting it all together, the technical, but the actual language, the way that he writes this character and gives him this voice. And this was a phenomenal final end to to this run. I I I loved it. And definitely respect for the way he ended yep. it. And and did you did you read the afterword? Um yes I did. Yeah. And how he's talking about he knows fans are going to hate him yep. for it. And and just the general fan mentality uh, as to stuff like this. And he's very well aware of it. But he told his story the way he wanted to yep. anyway. Well, I like, too, what he said that, you know, it might get retconned by another writer later on. But for now, this is what it is. So, yeah, props to him. And now I'm really hoping somebody picks up blindfold for something mm-hmm. and slaps her in there and makes very, very good use of all of this because she's like, hell stick her in X force there. There, he can keep the character and still do phenomenal things with her. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody else or writer as good as he did. Yeah. Uh, all new X-Men 23, keeping up with the trial of Jean gray. I'm assuming you read this. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me like the guardians a little bit more. You're seeing a little bit more of them, so I, I cannot that. wait for the Gamera Angela X twenty three team up. <laughs> I even didn't hate the raccoon in this, so that's saying a lot. So it's still a ridiculous premise. Um, that opinion is not going to change, but again, he makes good use of characters and everything. The uh, um, seeing Summers, Christopher Summers, there is going to make for some very interesting stuff in the next issues. So, yeah, it was good. Yeah. Justice League 3000? I actually didn't read the latest one yet. Okay. I don't want to spoil too much. Although, just to say the obvious, because the, right now we're down to just Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman, trying to figure out what the hell's going on and where they are. Where they are turns out to be freaking awesome. And I'm hoping that they're going to leave them there for a while so that we can, I don't, again, I don't want to spoil it. It was, it was a good issue. I really enjoyed this. This is again, shaping up to be another fun series from, from uh, DC, surprisingly fun series. Cool. I've got one left and I'm going to assume you didn't read it. 
I really didn't know much about it until I picked it up and then read it. And it's actually freaking awesome. And it's called The Bunker. It's from Oni Press. I heard about it, but I did not read it. Okay, so it's written by Jesh- Joshua Hale Fialkov. Yeah. Okay, he's, he's done some stuff for Marvel and DC lately. Okay, uh, and the art is by Joe Infurnari, whatever. Um, I say that because the art is actually quite different, but it suits the story very well. So it's... Uh, it, it was quite good. I, I liked it, that, especially the coloring. It's Again, it's very different than what you'd expect, um, but it, it works. This is actually a long comic. Like, this is not small. It's about almost twice as long as a normal comic. And do you know much about it? Not at all. So, basically, you have these adults who are decided to do a, a time capsule. And some of them are kind of like cracking wise that this is something you do when you're a kid, not an adult, but... They're doing it anyway. So they have this capsule that they're burying out in the woods. And as they are shoveling, they hit a a door underneath the ground. So they kind of scrape it off and they see their names on the door. And so they open it and go inside and there's a, a bunker there. And it's filled with... With a guy entering six numbers into a computer, no, but they do make minutes. a jack. They, they they do make a joke about that. Um, inside, there's a whole bunch of 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 stuff in it, but there's also notes left by their future selves, and so they they're each reading the note written by themselves in the future, and the notes, most of them, there's just enough proof that they're certain like nobody else would know this except for me. And so nobody else could have written this. And so they get told to about what's going to be happening here and what they've caused, which one of them basically caused the apocalypse that wiped out most of humanity. And so they do. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, So they're told to kind of like, Watch out for this. Don't do this and different things like that. And while at points it's confusing in how it's handled, it's 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 very interesting, but the writing could have been far clearer throughout to have a, a consistently clear writing throughout because at times it kind of bounces around too much and it's not always crystal clear what is happening. But still, despite that, the premise is very cool and the execution is very well done. Like this, I was hooked for the entirety of this issue. And like I said, it's almost twice as long as a normal issue. So well worth reading for sure. All right. I will definitely put it on the list. Yeah. And it's, it's a comic book for adults. It's not meant for kids. So just putting that out there. Don't put that was definitely kids. on yeah. the list. <laughs> There's not that much of that. There is some though. <laughs> okay. So what do you got? All right. Um, the latest issue of Batman, issue 28. This was the most infuriating comic I've read in a long time. <laughs> Not because it was bad, but because it was so good. <laughs> As I've said uh, just last week, I'm not really digging Zero Year. And part of that has to do with just the general story itself. It's not clicking for me. But also because as long as Zero Year is going on, the modern day Batman stuff is just kind of spinning its wheels. It can't go anywhere until Snyder comes back and tells it where to go. Uh, 
which is why we're seeing the uh, Batman Eternal series launching later this year, just so that they can do modern day bat stuff with zero year still going on. But what they did with this issue is they took this one month off from zero year to tell one modern day story that's going to lead into Batman Eternal. And seeing what Snyder has planned for Gotham and Batman and all the characters pisses me off that it's not <laughs> happening right now because, you know, we see uh, Harper finally becoming, you know, an actual sidekick to Batman as, as has been played out a couple times over the last couple years. I, I loved everything about this. Cool. I actually haven't read that one yet. Mm-hmm. And then uh, just one other Eternal Warrior from Valiant. This was a spinoff to Archer and Armstrong, and it uh, follows Galad, who is uh, Armstrong's brother. And like Armstrong, he's immortal. So the first issue started off thousands of years in the past, and it's tribal stuff and various gods warring for control of mankind. And, you know, he's aligned himself with one particular god. Then it jumps forward to... Not quite modern day, but it's after he he showed up in Archer and Armstrong a little bit after that where he's now set out to destroy the gods because he's uh, tired of this cycle and tired of them just using people. And that that was pretty good. But issue five, I think it was the previous issue and then issue six, which just came out now fast forwards thousands of years into the future. And it's cool stuff like this you can do with an immortal character. It's one of the things I'm really liking about uh, Jason Aaron's Thor right now is doing a similar concept. But now he's living in the world he has created by getting rid of the gods. And it's this nasty, gnarly, post-apocalyptic awesome. (laughs) I'm really enjoying this comic. Awesome. Okay, that's it. That's it. Okay, so this week from Marvel, we've got A plus X17. Again, I put that there because every once in a while, we're getting really good stories in there. Not all the time, but sometimes, and it's well worth checking out. Amazing X-Men number four, always worth checking out. Avengers World number three, Captain America 17, Daredevil 36, which is apparently the final issue. Have you been keeping up with that one? No, and it's relaunching like next month anyway. Yeah, so. well, that's not surprising. Uh, Dexter Down Under, a miniseries one of five. Iron Man Annual number one. The third of four, Marvel Knights Hulk. New Warriors number one. Night of the Living Deadpool number three of four. Nova 13 point now. Punisher number two. Savage Wolverine 15. Superior Spider-Man team-ups number 10. Uncanny X-Men number 17. And X-Men number 11. On the DC side, we've got a bunch of number 28s. We've got Animal Man, Batman and Two-Face, Batwoman, Birds of Prey, Green Lantern, New Guardians, uh, Justice League, Red Hood and the Outlaws, Supergirl, and Wonder Woman. And then we've got Batman Beyond number 7. We've got Harley Quinn number 3. Scribblenauts Unmasked. I need to read number 1. A Crisis of Imagination, but this is number 2. And Trinity of Sin Pandora number 8. From Image, we've got Ghosted number 7, Protectors Inc. number 4, Sex Criminals number 4, and Undertow number 1 of 6. And then from everybody else, we've got a few Star Wars, in case you like those. We've seen some good ones recently, actually. We've got uh, Star Wars Darth Vader and the Cry of the Shadows number 3 of 5 from Dark Horse. Star Wars Dawn of the Jedi Force Wars number 4 of 5. We've got Terminator Enemy of My Enemy number 1 of 6, again from Dark Horse. We've got White Suits number 1 from Dark Horse. And we've got Godzilla's Ruler of the Earth number 9, IDW. But the most important one (laughs) for this week, (laughs) X-Files Conspiracy 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where the lone gunmen investigate the turtles. I'm not reading that. You are so reading that. I am not reading If that. I have to make you read it for issue 165, I will. Right, in five weeks, I will read it. <laughs> That's going to wrap up the show. Make sure to check out the show notes at Comic Book Forum or leave us some comments. And you're going to want to check out Popcorn Ronin. Our latest episode is going to be up at the same time as this. We had a great episode talking about a few games that have been made into uh, movies, animated movies. And they're actually ones that we've talked about their comic books on this and that's for Dragon Age and Mass Effect so make sure to stop by popcornronin.com and check that out as well and with that we will see you next week 